11 a.m. Tuesday on the West Coast, and that means it's time for another Damon Bruce show. Welcome to the Plus. Uh, it's the channel everyone is talking about here on YouTube. Well, I don't know. That's probably an exaggeration, but it feels good to be here. And needless to say, we got new bells and whistles. I think I got my swagger back. Yeah, so here we are, baby. We're getting better each and every day, and it is wonderful to have you here. I'm guessing the very fancy thumbnail uh, that was created saying that we're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan might have been one of the reasons why you clicked here today, and believe me, we're going to get to it. But the biggest sports story of the day broke a couple of hours ago and is now developing, and boy, it is getting some attention, more attention than golf usually gets outside of its majors, to be, to be totally honest with you. And if I can just stress something right at the top here, don't ever let a single sporting entity lecture you about morals and stop looking to sports for patriotic lessons because they just don't really live there beyond the hat and t-shirt that they're trying to sell you. Um, Phil, uh, Phil, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, they must be high-fiving themselves today because the live tour is going to be absorbed now by the PGA tour and I don't even know necessarily if I believe that. An unnamed PGA Tour player says, quote, the live tour was dead in the water. It wasn't working. And now you're throwing them a life jacket. Is the moral of the story to always just take the money? Yeah, it seems to be that way. For a sport that, you know, loves to sniff its own farts and tell you, well, the great thing about golf is we are our own officials. You know, if you're if if someone wins a tournament and realizes that they were using illegal grips, they will disqualify themselves. That is how justly and moral everyone in golf is. Well, maybe not. Because the PGA isn't just throwing live a life jacket here. They just flip them the keys to the Ferrari. I mean, think about it. In any partnership, the one with the most amount of money is the one in control. And no one's got more money than the Saudi backing that originally founded Live in the first place. And remember how much just shaming the PGA Tour did on all the players who took that Live deal and the Live money. And they just went so far out of their way to character assassinate those players. And I'm not saying that that was even necessarily a wrong thing to do. But once you set up tent in that shop, you kind of have to stay there. So Tron Carter of No Laying Up says Jay Moynihan, who is the commissioner of the PGA Tour, is basically Tom Wamsgans from Succession. After all of his bluster and his 9-11 stuff, to sit there next to Yasir on CNBC trying to spin this as a victory for the tour, regardless of how much money is involved, instead of just resigning on the spot, 
This 4 p.m. players meeting is going to be Thunderdome. Another guy who is the editor, our content manager over at No Laying Up, named Kevin Van Valkenburg, said, look, I don't know how any player who turned down live money and stayed with the PGA could believe anything that Jay Moynihan ever says, uh, Monahan, Jay Monahan, ever says again. He made them take every arrow, hit in the office for a year, then double-cross them live on CNBC. Woo, it's getting spicy. Look, here's one thing I know, and I remember, because I watched it as it happened. The PGA Tour ducked behind gold star families to shame live breakaway players. But the minute that opportunity was right for them, you know, I, I guess it wasn't about 9-11 after all, or the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. No, nah, that didn't matter at all once that money got right. Ross Tucker said, you know, I can't believe a professional sports organization acted in its own best interest after asking its athletes to be loyal to them. There've got to be an awful lot of pissed off PGA Tour players. Now, Tiger Woods, who's not hurting for money in any way, uh, there's no such thing as didn't need that billion dollars. Remember, Tiger Woods reportedly turned down about a billion dollars from the Live Tour only to see the tour that he shunned is now being absorbed by the tour that he defended? This feels like one of those lawyers are coming situations, that's for sure. Dave Zirin, who is Edge of Sports on Twitter, says, you know, the PGA is what it's always been, a bunch of ham-faced, julep-drinking, amoral scoundrels. Oh, I love that sentence. Look, the very first thing that I thought of when I saw this is, you know, Saudis are trying to use sports to sports wash their the way that they conduct business over there. Um, the very first thing that I thought of is there's obviously a dollar amount that will make any sport in America reconsider whatever morals it's trying to stand on. A smart Saudi who wants to have a footprint in the Bay Area right now buys the Oakland A's. Like, pick up the phone, call John Fisher, offer him double what the franchise is even worth, and believe me, Major League Baseball will approve that sale. Those greedy sons of bitches, I just know they will. And by the way, once the Saudis own a major league franchise like it's only a matter of time until we're you know talking about commissioner abdul rahim farouk manesh which by the way i just took all my favorite you know uh, names and just crushed them together right there the one with the biggest pile of money is in charge in sports that has been proven time and time and time again i'm wondering now that the pga has officially taken the deal how long it's going to be until other sports leagues say, well, good for the goose, good for the gander. Something else. Something else. It is wonderful to have you here today. I want to thank my sponsors, starting with, as always, Ike, who was first in the door. My man serves up delicious sandwiches all over the country, nearly 100 restaurants, a new one opening in Brentwood. I'll be there on June 15th for the opening ceremonies and party. I hope that you come on out and say hello to me and Ike. It's going to be a fun afternoon. Uh, also, my man Charles over at Blackened Whiskey came right up in the uh, uh 
early stages of Plushood here and said, I want to be involved. And I tell you, I'm thrilled to be involved with Black and Whiskey. It is absolutely delicious. It is fantastic in a cocktail on its own, on the rocks. If you're a fan of whiskey, pick up a block, uh, a, a bottle of Blackened at a BevMo as soon as you can. Available in other places, but definitely all over BevMo and BevMo's are all over the place. So pick up a bottle of blackened whiskey. The next time you're making a brown booze decision, you'll be happy that you did. And the next time you're thinking about picking up a cheeseburger, especially if you're in the inner Richmond, stop by my boy's Uncle Boy's. It's a delicious burger by an awesome small family business here in San Francisco. I'm so proud to be partnered with Uncle Boy's. Their story is amazing. The, um, the, the, the people who run Uncle Boy's are just fantastic. These are true San Franciscans trying to start their own business. So go ahead and please support them. You'll be happy that you did. The burger is delicious. Try the onion rings. It's satisfaction the entire way around. You got to trust me on that. I know sandwiches. I know whiskey. I know burgers. I am thrilled to be endorsing and sponsored by all three Ike's Blackened and Uncle Boys. Thank you all so very, very much. And thanks to you for being great patrons to my sponsors. That means an awful, awful lot. I know an awful lot of you clicked on today's show because of the very fancy thumbnail made by CEO, IT department, creative director, Mrs. Pluse Jillian, who did a hell of a job by putting together a nice uh, 49ers helmet thumbnail for you to click on today. And I did want to talk about this constant need to try to explain to people what Kyle Shanahan has done wrong, what Kyle Shanahan is not as a head coach. You know, there's a movement out there where trying to use multiple NFC title appearances is the reason why he's got to go, which to me is just ridiculous. Um, look, Kyle Shanahan, there's not a single team in football that has a perfect offensive afternoon every single game throughout a season. Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago came about as close to happening as it's been seen. But you know what Kyle Shanahan is also responsible for? The one thing that no one wants to bring up and talk about almost consistently is the fact that he is very much in charge of that defense and as the general manager has loaded it to be one of the most year-in, year-out, season-in, season-out, week-in, week-out, consistent entities in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan is so much more than just the offense that you might be criticizing, the quarterback situation that seems to never find itself totally settled once and for all. And it really is like a bit much. Um, his overall record means he's a winner. He's 52 and 46, which is, you know, he's winning 53% of his games. If you subtract the first two seasons, and again, if you're going to sit around and criticize Kyle Shanahan for what you don't like, you must take in the full picture and agree that he was handed a big old cup of nothing as he walked in the door, right? That was an awful team. And within two seasons, he had basically flipped the entirety of the roster. So if you want to subtract the first two seasons from Kyle Shanahan's actual total. Here's what he's been since subtracting the first two seasons. He's 42 and 24. 
That's winning 64% of your games. Folks, if you're winning 64% of your games in the NFL, you know what you're doing, and anyone trying to make the argument that you don't know what you're doing doesn't know what they're talking about. This is a guy who's been to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. This is a guy who has been to the NFC title game with Mr. Irrelevant looking really good as his quarterback. This is a team that is in the NFC title game an awful lot. Over the last few years, they're in that game a lot. And again, some view that as a negative. You know, because he hasn't won the big one. Think of all the coaches who aren't in the NFC title game a lot. If you don't like Shanahan, what must you think of them? Again, the team's defense is consistently one of the more ever-present wrecking shops in all of football. Um, His head coaching tree officially now in a short amount of time involves three NFL head coaches. We're talking about D'Amico Ryans, Mike McDaniel, and Robert Sala. This is a guy who knows what he's doing. As I was talking last night on a home and home with Larry Kruger about the fact that you know, Kyle's pretty good at what he does. You can't find a single former coach. You can't find a single former quarterback, whether they were a cup of coffee quarterback or a Hall of Fame quarterback. You can't find a current 49er. You can't find a no longer disgruntled former 49er who really has anything bad to say about working with Kyle Shanahan. This whole, like, he's the problem narrative is officially one of the dumber things going on around the NFL. It's ridiculous. Serving as this team's general manager, the roster is absurdly talented. And he's got a three-man quarterback room right now, which consists of a real quick study who became instantly successful, a prospect in Trey Lance who remains a huge what-if, and a veteran quarterback who is now in the first good situation in his career. Can we let some things play out before we declare anything necessarily alive or dead? Look, I am not criticizing Grant Cohn, who obviously is doing very well for himself in the space that I have moved into here on YouTube. He's got a massive audience, and I've always, no matter what I've said about Grant and the way he goes about framing his thoughts about the team. He takes his thoughts into that locker room. He faces the music. He is in front of the players. He is accountable. But what I don't understand is a tweet that he put out last night saying, you either got to give Trey Lance an opportunity to compete for the starting job or trade him. Stop holding that young man hostage. You're ruining his career. No. The 49ers are not ruining his career. The 49ers don't owe Trey Lance anything other than a direct deposit every two weeks, and he's got to make his own career happen in his own right. You know, if Kyle Shanahan could just snap his fingers and make anyone an awesome quarterback, believe it, he would have done it by now. Larry made a great observation saying that, first of all, look, there is... There is a competition that's underway right now. So to say that to not let him compete for it feels a little odd. Um, Or 
as Larry stated, maybe the competition has been made and concluded. And Trey just isn't the winner. You know, that's a reality, too. A lot of people who are very much in the camp of Trey Lance so want him to be the quarterback. Maybe he's not good enough to be the quarterback is something you're going to have to start factoring into these imaginary evaluations of what could be, what might be. It's kind of driving me nuts. And it's probably driving some of you a little nuts as well. Brock Purdy's not guaranteed to never make a mistake. Sam Darnold might be a a guy that matters. Trey Lance someday may be a guy that matters. But this whole notion of you're holding this young man hostage, he's under contract. The 49ers have zero responsibility to a player that outranks their responsibility to do the best job for the team. And if sacrificing the dawn of a young player's career, yet retaining him on the roster as a backup is the right thing for the team, that's called professional sports. That's what that is. Everyone needs to stop clutching their pearls and worrying about Trey Lance's future. Let the present play itself out. We are still so many weeks, months, days away from the start of football season trying to look at something that's happening at mandatory OTAs on June 6th and using that as the, well, here it is, we now know what we need to know, is ridiculous. We have to go through this every offseason and explain that, you know, hey, OTAs are a little bit interesting, but trying to use them to frame the entirety of everything we're about to see in a season is nuts. So one thing we are here on the plus is a little less nuts, which is maybe why you keep on coming back. Maybe why you're finding me today and deciding, hey, this guy for a world of just, you know, inflammatory nonsense. Here's someone who's actually thinking about things and approaching things like an adult. You know, nothing is black and white. There's an awful lot of gray out there. And it feels like the best way to get clicks is to pretend that nuance doesn't even exist. We do nuance here on the Damon Bruce show. That's that's what we're trying to accomplish. Instead of just taking a position, holding it, we're trying to look at things from every conceivable angle. Not just the, here's what I want the quarterback situation to be, so I'm going to try to speak it into existence. And there's not a single person in the media speaking who knows more about that quarterback situation than Kyle Shanahan. And look, as my friend Larry Kruger did indeed point out on last night's Home and Home, this team right now is stockpiling quarterbacks. They have added more quarterbacks to the mix in just the last couple of days, which means Trey Lance might not be long for this roster. You know what the Niners owe it to themselves to do is to have Trey Lance on this roster, possibly wait for the preseason quarterbacking injury that always happens and then trade him or Sam Darnold or whomever. Brock Purdy's the safe one. I think we know that. But man, 
just the constant hand wringing over a situation that is fluid is is kind of nuts. It really is just a little nuts, if you don't mind me saying. Oy, oy, oy! There you go. Best way to emphasize what I'm saying is with a oy, oy, oy! hell yeah. So look, another story that has come out today that has kind of been buried by the live news. And I don't know how big of a story this might be. And I don't know how much credence to really give this because, um, you know, there are, for a lack of a better phrase, new ways to football fail all the time. New ways to football have included the USFL, like two, three versions of the XFL, the AFL, like you get the drift. There have been an awful lot of other football leagues, you know, the Arena Football League that just, you know, can't maintain interest, profitability, or last beyond two or three seasons. Well, a story today reported by the AP is that high school football is about to be disrupted by a new nationwide league of high school football teams, or they wouldn't be necessarily high school teams, but they would be teams that are made up of football players still young enough to be in high school. And again, this is either going to become something big or it won't because new ways to football fail all the time. The former president of the latest version of the United States Football League, the USFL, is launching a spring football league for high school football players. Brian Woods, who stepped down as the USFL's president at the end of last year, said his prep Super League will begin next year with a six-week season. Wood said that this league will use NCAA playing rules and will operate independent of high school state athletic associations, therefore giving players the chance to profit off their name, image, and likeness without any restrictions. You know, it feels like there's just a new entity forming to take advantage of free football labor. You know, if if this is really a league that wants to be a breakaway league, pay your players. Don't let some NIL bullshit that some kid has to be the caretaker of that is probably going to get screwed over more often than actually paid. Like, if you want to form your own league of 15, 16-year-old kids, pay them. Now, if you're a 15, 16-year-old kid, you know, I'm not here to tell you what your family situation is, but a lot of kids will be taking a money grab just because they need to. And I don't know if this is necessarily going to be good for anyone involved. If you do do this, do you then lose eligibility to play a normal high school season? Is this just another way to do kind of year-round football? I don't know, but this is more than just a national story because league officials intend to have the season running from April 19th through May 24th with teams located in 
Atlanta, Cleveland, Dallas, Houston, New Jersey, New Orleans, L.A., Miami, Tampa Bay, Phoenix, San Diego, and San Francisco. So this could be coming to San Francisco? Okay. Interesting. Wood says that he hopes to start hiring coaches in the next two to three months. I don't know what to make of it. I don't have enough information. I haven't seen anything other than this AP story announcing that this was going to happen. I've been thinking so much about this live tour thing that when I saw this, I was like, oh, shit, that feels like a big story, too. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. But we'll see. That is a huge we'll see, right? We'll see what you are chatting about over here uh, in the plus. I know an awful lot of you were in earlier this morning saying hello to each other. I love that we got a little community that's forming. People will actually log in to the chat room early to like apologize to everyone in the chat that they've got a meeting that they have to be at and can't be here to watch it live. Look, that's okay. That's the beauty of YouTube. You watch this when it fits into your day. You don't have to rearrange your day to fit into this. Not at all. Not at all. That's the beauty of hashtag new media that Draymond has won. <laughs> um, don't really want to talk deeply about baseball, whether it be Giants or A's baseball today, but are the Giants going to be in position to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? What are they going to do? Or will they sort of poo-poo platter it and do a little bit of both? Selling off assets that they think that they can sort of make up for in the aggregate that won't necessarily be back next year, that won't return any draft pick if they leave as a free agent next year. So moving on right now might be the thing to do. You know, Alex Cobb, who is having a very good year on the mound. How much longer are you going to bet on that just being this year's Alex Cobb? He could get hurt. At any moment, I mean, we all could, but he's got a history of getting hurt. He is 36 years old. Will he stay healthy? What can you get for him in an awesome season? Would you then turn around and call up, you know, Kyle Harrison? Uh, this is, I think, one of the first names in the if you are selling off assets, who would be valuable around baseball? Uh, Jacques Peterson is about to come back from a hand injury. We know he's hot or cold. We know that he's got an awful lot of postseason success under his belt. Maybe a contender looks at him and thinks, well, there's a player we'd like to add. And all of a sudden, if the Giants remove him, they can get more at-bats for younger players in their system where Jock Peterson might have been taking him away. When I start thinking about, well, who do you go after? You go after teams whose seasons are kind of going belly up. Well, there is no bigger belly up season in North American sports than the Oakland A's right now. Is there an Oakland A who could help the Giants? Look at it this way. If I were the Giants, I, I would be inquiring about catcher Carlos Perez. What do the A's need a 32-year-old catcher who's having a, a decent season for? What do they need him for? 
They don't need him for anything. He's not involved in any future plans. He hasn't sold a ticket. You're not even trying to sell tickets. He's not a part of winning anything. Uh, that, you know, the battery that he's involved with, the, the A's pitchers are getting the crap beat out of him. You don't need him. But if the Giants could use him, all of a sudden, Blake Sable isn't your backup catcher. You can put him in the outfield. You can maybe get him some reps over at first base. So this is checkers. Excuse me, no. This is chess, not checkers. A lot of people who say that, like, this is chess, not checkers. Don't even know how to play chess. I know the, the moves in chess, but I'm, I'm not a good chess player. You know, what about a guy like Brent Rooker? Now, nine of his 11 home runs came in the month of April. He runs really hot or cold, but poor man's Joey Gallo? Maybe he could be an option for the Giants. The A's don't need him. Maybe Seth Brown. What's the point of carrying a 31-year-old Seth Brown on your roster if you're the A's? I mean, what's the A's to keep? What's the point of keeping anybody? There's not a single player on the A's who shouldn't be available in some conceivable way to a team that might be interested. And look, if there were to be a losing streak that took the Giants from, hey, we might be something, right into the category of, nah, you're not going to be anything. You're not going to catch the the Dodgers, the Padres, and you've probably been lapped by the Arizona Diamondbacks at this point. If you do fancy yourself a seller, like by definition, as far as I'm concerned, you don't need an all-world closer. Now, Camilo Duvall is the man, and he's still got tons of club control. But if you're rebuilding, you don't need a closer. That's like the cherry on top of the rebuilt Sunday. Think of what you could get for him. I mean, I brought that up to Larry, and he was just like, no, nah, they're not moving off of him. I get it. Like, they wouldn't want to do it. But he could fetch a huge return. J.D. Davis could maybe fetch a huge return. Bring VR up. Have Schmidt play over at third. Just thinking. Just options. One more note. Um, again, John Fisher should be calling Saudi Arabia and be like, who wants to overpay for a baseball team and keep them in Oakland? But he wouldn't do that because John Fisher hates us all and he doesn't care about anything and he doesn't know how to pick up a phone call and actually talk to anybody and the man is without skill, diplomacy, or know-how in every conceivable way. Uh, welcome to your annual uh, Fuck John Fisher segment, your near daily segment. But this one is kind of interesting because, again, we're, we're keeping receipts, right? Uh, Tim Kawakami pointed out, that just in the last five weeks alone, the A's have changed Las Vegas sites, they've lowered their request for public money, and they've not gotten a legislature vote before the end of the session. And then sarcastically, he writes, boy, John Fisher just keeps on winning, doesn't he? No wonder Rob Manford blames Oakland and only Oakland. Now, all sarcasm aside, Tim's making a very good point. As we have pointed out Countless times, John Fisher has no juice, no allies, no real business sense, no touch. He has a, a you know an, an office full of stadium plans that were supposed to happen but never did. I mean, think about it. Just go back to remember there was supposed to be a stadium in Fremont. That never happened. 
Then there was supposed to maybe be a stadium in, in San Jose. I think they even decided that that was going to be called Cisco Field, or maybe that was the one in Fremont. I can't even remember. But that never happened. And then the big announcement, the one that finally was going to end the debate once and for all, was that they were moving you know, right to downtown Oakland. Laney College is where the Oakland A's would be building their stadium. I mean, they rolled out a big press event for that one. Well, that didn't happen. And then speaking of big press events and fancy art renderings of stadiums and glass cities around stadiums, we you know get to Howard Terminal eventually. Amazing plans. Would have been awesome. Didn't happen. And so now where are you? Now you're at your second Las Vegas location with none of the machinations you really need from the local government spinning in the direction that John Fisher needs him to spin in. I mean, would you want to bet on John Fisher and Dave Cavill getting this done? I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet a dime on these guys. Wouldn't bet a dime. The two of them have so thoroughly proven themselves to be incompetent and incapable that it's extraordinary. What the hell are we talking about? I'm going to leave you with this before we enter a little club plus. Here on the podcast, I want to invite you to join me and apparently thousands of other A's fans uh, the Damon Bruce Show, the Mighty Plus, is officially joining the reverse boycott on June 13th. That game is between the A's and Rays. The Cell shirts, which are being printed by fans and given out to fans, like it's a stadium giveaway. This has got to be the first time in baseball history fans decided on a stadium giveaway. They're printing out green cell t-shirts and what it'll really do. Again, how do you shame the shameless? I don't know, but it seems like a night A's fans deserve to come together publicly disapproving in vast numbers what has been done to them by the worst owner in the history of sports having the most disgraceful season, maybe in the history of North American professional sports. The cell shirts are going to be handed out in B-Lot by the Light Towers. Last Dive Bar is coordinating this. I've already been in touch with the guy who is the leader of that, Brian, and I'm going to be out with him on Tuesday. We're going to be covering this, and based on the amount of coverage... We'll be broadcasting live from the bleachers that night covering this event to the best of our ability, to the best of cell phone coverage that it will allow this to happen or not. So look, we got quite a bit. I mean, how can I miss these gems when I have Otis Bird III saying, this golf thing is like when Tupac teamed up with Biggie in the heat of the East Coast, West Coast rap beef. Yeah, it would have been like that, I guess. Jeez, it's kind of nuts. Kind of nuts. So to get to more of that, we're going to move into Club Plus. You're invited to stick around right here on YouTube. If that's for you, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow right at 11 with more 
in the meantime, I want you to remember, PGA, I guess I'm talking to you today, that sports don't build character, but they reveal it. And like that, he's gone.